and welcome to the Pumping Irony Podcast, a podcast dedicated to things we like and dislike. Three friends living in Columbia, Maryland. My name is Tim. I'm Russ. And I'm Andrew. Uh, so this is our fourth episode, and we're, we're rolling along. Hopefully we'll be putting these out more on a regular schedule. So if you've been tuning in, thank you for that. If you've subscribed on iTunes, we, we thank you for that also. Um, so we're just going to get right into it, and we're going to start with Russ and... What'd you bring this week for for our like? Well, um, yesterday I saw a movie. Tim saw it too, yes. and my wife saw it, and we all loved it. And it's Ten Cloverfield Lane. Yes. So um, I don't know how long this discussion is going to be because it's much better if you don't know anything going into it. But <laughs> we can give a spoiler-free. Uh, we can review. give us a spoiler-free review. Yeah, it's. Uh, yeah, I definitely can go past anything that's not in the trailer. Yeah, yeah, exactly. And so I won't even talk about some of the stuff that is in the trailer. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Well, um, lots of people like this movie, according to Rotten Tomatoes, at least. Uh, it's 91% fresh right now with, with critics and 87% fresh with audience. So, um, yeah, it's really good. I think uh, it's 100% fresh in this yeah. room. Yeah. Oh, yeah. <laughs> Did you see it? I saw, yeah, I saw it with okay. Dominic on Thursday. Awesome. Yeah. And, and he told me about it. And texted Tim was like, it's really, really good. Because yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I was asking him, I wanted to know... Because you can see it in IMAX or see it oh, in yeah, the regular, yeah. and he's yeah. like, eh, you know. Yeah, we saw it in IMAX. Oh, okay. I don't, I don't think IMAX would add anything yeah. to it, the really. Sound, it okay, yeah. bit, the sound, helps a bit. Just having that better sound system, yeah. but not, I wouldn't say it's, you know, maybe worth the extra five yeah. bucks. Yeah. Unless you're seeing, so, like, you know, the premiere where there's more people in right. it. Right. All right, so, um, what's her name? Mary... Elizabeth Winstead. Mary Elizabeth Winstead is, uh, plays this, this girl who's... Leaves her boyfriend and gets into a car accident, and then she wakes up in this bunker, chained to you know to the wall, and has all kinds of injuries and stuff. And John Goodman eventually comes in uh, through her locked door and and just says that he's saved her. Um, and uh, so you're throughout the entire movie, you're never sure is John Goodman just this crazy person, or is he an actual savior? Or somewhere in between, he might be a little of both. And uh, he's saying that they're they're in this you know bunker that he constructed underneath his farmhouse um, because he's a, a, a doomsday prepper guy. And he said that the world has come to an end. You know something has attacked. And 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 I don't think it's too much to say that the title of the film sort of alludes to what may or may not have happened. And that's part of the fun of it is you don't know if it really if anything really has happened or not. And uh, he's got another guy down there, the guy, a guy who helped build the bunker. Um, and uh, so he's he's a younger a younger guy. I don't think I've ever seen him in anything else. Uh, John Gallagher Jr., he was in the newsroom. All right. He was Jr. That's where I... I'm, like, I'm <laughs> yeah. watching this going on. I recognize yeah. the guy. You'd have a beard in the newsroom. I know. Right? So but, the when, but when they did the close-ups, you could tell by the way his mouth ah, moves. There you it go. moved like Jim, who has like this distinctive... <laughs> like. Close-up talk. Yes. I don't even know how to describe it, right. but like, no one else like yep. moves his face like that when he talks. Yeah. Well, we can say that it is kind of a. Um, uh, I don't even know. It's not even a sequel. It's uh, no. It's they call it a, a spiritual, a spiritual yeah. successor, or yeah. a spiritual. It's like it sort of takes place in the same yeah. universe, but it's in Louisiana, so it's not even New York. As, you know, it's, as yeah. Cloverfield, the JJ uh, Abrams sorry, movie from. Yeah. What was it? Two, three years ago? 2008. 2008? Oh my yeah. god. It's, it's been, been that long? long. Been yeah. Long, so. <laughs> wow. But uh, I gotta say, the, the cast is awesome. Uh, John Goodman is... 
And we've named all of Perfect. them. Perfect. We have named all of them. <laughs> Although all, IMDb all like lists, them. lists like five more people. I'm like, where were they? Voices, maybe? Bradley, yeah. Cooper, Bradley Cooper is the voice on, the, a, on yeah. the other side of the thing. And he has like, what, three, four yeah. lines? Yeah. But, really? <laughs> anyway. Um, but John Goodman is so good as playing that little, just slightly off guy. And it's like, should you trust him? Should you not trust him? Yeah. When I was watching it, I was reminded of his character in um, The Big Lebowski. Oh, yeah. <laughs> it's kind of his brother, oh. maybe? I don't know. His, like, lots of Coen Brothers uh, films, like in Oh Brother, We're Out There, where he's the... Oh, the the the, the, the Cyclops, Cyclops character, whatever. Right. But, uh, you know, he's like... He's a guy you'd like to go have a beer with, but... Don't get on his bad side because <laughs> don't don't have two beers with him. Don't have two beers with him. <laughs> exactly. <Three> beers. <laughs> just have one beer and then walk away slowly. Yeah. Never turn your back. So, just walk away. So this, I mean, this film kind of reminded me of like a really good Twilight Zone episode oh, or something yeah. like that. You know, like she doesn't know if she should trust this guy or escape, and is what he's telling her outside really true? Even when she has some evidence that it might be true, it's still like he's creepy and. He, you know, there's lots of lots of stuff we won't get into spoiler wise, but yeah. it's just a good suspense movie, and uh, I would like to like circle back and like the next whatever, <laughs> give it a time because because there's still so much like we could talk about this movie after seeing. Oh yeah, it, yeah. it's like one of these movies like I want to see it again. Yeah, but, for sure. Um, because it's one of these movies like after, even after you watch it, you're like, uh, there's so many yeah. like, uh, <laughs> all right, I'm gonna, I'm gonna see, watch that again. Yeah, I love I love movies like that 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 have a rewatchability to them yeah. you know you want to see you know like Memento is great watching again after you know the ending and like wait I gotta see if everything made sense Which or have not, you heard so. that they're making a, a they're remaking Memento yeah I'm like that <laughs> is a perfect movie why do you need to remake a perfect movie yeah that only came out like 10 years ago right right yeah. and it's, it was so good just as it is I don't even think it's Christopher Nolan right he's not doing it some other no, guy yeah, somebody else is doing I can't it. imagine he would do it <laughs> oh I know I mean why right. would, he's not gonna go full Lucas yeah <laughs> remake his own movie exactly yeah <laughs> All right, so um, I don't think I have anything else to say about it because I don't want to spoil it for anybody, but go see 10 Cloverfield Lane. You will not regret it. Yeah. I will say, I think Twilight Zone's a good comparison more because this feels like, compared to the other um, Cloverfield movie, this feels like it's set in like two Twilight Zone episodes yeah. that may not be in any way re- related, right. um, but they have you know similar themes exactly. um, and similar yeah. you know just ideas, I guess, but like the events of one may not even have happened in the world of the other. Right, right. So, yep. it's either more, more of a Cloverfield anthology, I guess. <laughs> there you go. Which I think we're getting. And I would watch every movie in that anthology. J.J. <laughs> Abrams says that they're gonna, they are gonna they want to make a third. Yeah. Cool. So, kind of like the same thing, where it's not like a sequel, but it's like... Yeah, a, yeah, just... Or, the... I don't know, maybe it'll be a direct sequel, because... Balance. But when you say John Goodman, I say Mary Elizabeth Winstead is, is so good in this movie. Oh, also. yeah. I mean... Oh, yeah, she does... She she does she does stuff like that makes sense. She's kind of MacGyverish, and yep. she's never the the heroine in the horror film that you're like, no, don't go up the stairs. No, it's like, yeah, if I was her, that's exactly what I'd yeah. be doing right yeah, now. Yeah, she does all the things you want <laughs> right. her to do. <laughs> right, right. But I, I don't know. I think she's she's so good in this movie. I mean, because she's almost at every scene. Yeah. Oh yeah, yeah. She carries the movie. Yeah. That's for sure. Yeah. Um, oh, and it's also Dan Trachtenberg's first feature length movie, mm-hmm. which is. Really? Incredibly impressive. Was he part of the the original like Cloverfield? Was he part of that production at all? Or? No, uh, he 
uh, was supposed to do the Why the Last Man movie, but oh, okay. that ended up falling through, and he's done a couple of short films. Mm-hmm. I know him because he was the host of like my favorite podcast like <laughs> eight years ago. Okay. <laughs> um, the Totally Rad Show. Okay. Which was a Totally Rad podcast. Yeah. Um, <laughs> I'd go see Why the Last Man movie also. Yeah. Be pretty good. I don't know if it, you guys have ever read that graphic novel, but it's pretty good. Um, so it's cool to see you know this guy that was hosting a podcast that I watched you know with two other guys. A couple years ago. It's like if one of us went and made a movie. <laughs> right. right. <laughs> cool. Hey, stranger things have happened. Yeah. But I will say that I was reading, and I was talking to, to Russ afterward over, I was like, the budget for that movie was oh, yeah. really small, too. Oh, yeah. And I hope it just makes a ton of money for them, because I think it was like, I don't know if it's ridiculous, I could probably fact check this, but five, like $5 million was the budget for okay. that, was, which is... Basically one set. Yeah. You know, so. yeah. <laughs> but it's just, I mean, what you can do with $5 million yeah. as opposed to, like, you know, these movies coming out, you know, with the new Batman v Superman is like $250 million. Right. Right. But this movie, a great story with a great cast and just kept you on the edge of your seat for $5 yeah. million. And I would be shocked if I enjoyed this. You know, I enjoy Batman v Superman right. more than right. I like this movie. <laughs> right. And, and they're totally tough separate movies. I mean, you're going to get the big, loud bangs and yep, all that yep. kind of stuff with that movie but this one is just a great story it is yeah all right great well my first like is um i want to you know try to keep up with andrew he brought a book the last time so i, sounded, I, brought a, I sounded really smart I, I he sounded really smart so i brought a book this time <laughs> although my, my book has a lot of pictures in it so <laughs> maybe not Calvin as it's dr seuss my, <laughs> is his is a like, uh, seminal work the cat in the hat no um this book i got it for christmas uh it came out last year late last oh, year yeah. it's called the explorer's guild volume one a passage to shambhala and so it is... Um, Shambhala. Shambhala, yes. Uh, it's written by John Baird and Kevin Costner. Yes, that Kevin Costner, the actor, uh, who can do everything. I just was looking at his, his, his page that, you know, he's, he's an actor, he's a producer, he's a writer, he's a musician, he's, you know, he's every man. Um, and then beautifully illustrated by, by Rick Ross. Uh, the, I read about it in, in Entertainment Weekly. They gave a little blurb about it and it was on one of their like you know gift guides things so i put on my wish list for christmas and my wife got it for me and um i gotta say that i'll get into the contents of the book but just off the bat it is a beautiful beautiful book um just the the packaging the the artwork it's um it the the pages have this this like what like this patina to them this tint and make it look mm-hmm. like they're, they're like you're, it looks like an old book yeah you're holding like it looks feels like you're holding an, an old book and um there's there's beautiful pictures rick ross the illustrator because it's, it's part novel part graphic novel so he's the graphic novel but he also has these um these great panels and full color panels mm-hmm. and um it's it's a pretty big volume it's over 700 pages almost 800 pages but it's broken into um five different books within the with the one volume and um, I kind of like it. It's got that um, almost like uh, the serials, the 1940 serials, where where they each book has mm-hmm. like a, a, a introduction to it, and it kind of tells you what is going to happen in this volume, kind of thing. Uh-huh. And and, uh, and so it's it's really good. It takes place um, during World War One, so 1917 to 1918. And uh, let me just read you this. Um, this from the from the cover it says beyond the. St- Dead public rooms of an old world gentleman's club operates a more mysterious organization, the Explorers Guild. 
a clandestine group of adventurers who bravely journey to those places in which light gives way to shadow and reason is usurped by myth. The secrets they seek are hidden in mountain ranges and lost in deserts, buried in the ocean floor and lodged deep in polar ice. The aim of the Explorers Guild? To discover the mysteries that lie beyond the boundaries of the known world. Set against the backdrop of World War I with, a Western, with Western civilization on the edge of calamity, the first installment in the Explorers Guild series of Passage to Shambhala concerns the Guild's quest to find the golden city of Buddhist myth. The search will take them from the polar north to the Mongolian deserts through the underground canals of Asia to deep inside the Himalayas before the fabled city finally divulges its secrets and the globe-spanning journey plays out to a startling conclusion. So it's like an adventure cool. novel. It's like a... Um, it reminded me a lot, and I brought these here, it reminded me a lot of uh, the young Indiana Jones Chronicles, um, which they were, which, which was a TV series in the early 90s that got kind of repackaged into these hour-and-a-half-long movies. Mm-hmm. Um, and... And so it's kind of like Indiana Jones, and he's going he's going all over the world because takes that takes place between like nineteen ten and nineteen twenty one. So all these adventures all over the world, and uh, it's like a great adventure novel. It's it is pretty dense. There is a lot of characters, and so you're like trying to sometimes you're like, who's that person again? And so <laughs> so I just felt that I just found that if I kept reading, you know, it would it would click finally. Yeah. Um, but yeah, it's there's a lot of background in it, even the. The prose, the language that he uses is is is, is language that you find in a book that's like a hundred no, years old. So it's like you're picking up this book that's like you're like discovering this mystery and, and cool. So it's like a, like an experience. Yeah, it's, it is an experience reading it. Yeah. Um, some people I've I've looked on Amazon for the reviews and some people just couldn't get into it and and some people totally got into it and loved it. Um, some I people would, wanted the Kindle version. <laughs> right. They, well, it's it's definitely not a fast burner. I mean, it does it does take its time to mm-hmm. to set up for the adventure, and uh, and it is like I said, it is dense and there's a lot of characters, and so some people are like, I don't know what's going on, and and so it, it it's uh, actually I, I kind of want to read it again. I'm I'm hoping to, that more volumes come out, um, but it, it is it is really good, and uh, and like I said, it it got me. Um, just wanting to, to to explore that kind of that age, mm-hmm. World War One, a little bit more. That's why I picked up uh, the Adventures of Young Indiana Jones Volume One and Two off of eBay, and I'm gonna I'm gonna start watching them, <coughs> and you know because it's it's Indiana Jones. It says before the world met Indiana Jones, Indiana Jones met the world, and it has it has Indiana Jones going all over the world, meeting all these different famous people from uh-huh. that era. The the production I was reading a little bit about it. It was very expensive. That's why they didn't make that many because they they shot on location. Okay. Well, and all the CG to make you know Harrison Ford look so young. <laughs> yeah, exactly. It was just a CGI Harrison yeah. Ford. It was, Harrison Ford was never just wasn't even a real character. Um, no, so so it was uh, George Lucas did did um, I think executive producer produced that. Yeah. Um, but I want to go back because there's a lot of. Like uh, I know that I've heard that, like Daniel Craig is in one of these episodes, and so <laughs> get to see James Bond before he was James Bond, and, <laughs> and a lot of other famous actors, and mm-hmm. and then it's kind of like a history lesson because Indiana Jones meets um, meets all these you know yeah. famous people from I think the first episode I watched it takes place in Egypt in 1910. He meets uh, um, Lawrence of Arabia, so you know it's and they're they're on the they're on the the pyramids, and it, I mean they're shooting on the pyramids mm-hmm. in, in Egypt and the Sphinx and all that, and so it's. <laughs> 
it's kind of an, an adventure type series also yeah. and, and kind of educational at the same time. So that's my like. If you want to read a good adventure book, um, read the Explorer's Guild. Can I borrow it? You can borrow it. I just finished it last night. <laughs> I'll like, read it. I gotta finish this before the podcast. <laughs> so I wanted to, because I wanted to know. And, and yeah, so, so check it out. So that's my like. Cool. Awesome. Uh, I did not bring a like this week. What? Oh. Yes. I brought a love. Oh! <laughs> <laughs> He's mixing it up. <laughs> um, no, and this is something that uh, we all, of course, love. Um, and that oh. is a board game we've been playing oh, yeah. uh, for the last <laughs> couple of weeks uh, called Star Wars Imperial Assault. Yes. Um, this, I think, immediately became my favorite board game of all time. This thing is a blast. And... You know, super super short and easy. So oh, yeah. You just jump right in and play a couple how, rounds. How many hours have we played in hell? We've played like five or six, at least six hours now, I would think. Yeah, I think a little between bit. Between tutorial yeah. and like the four missions that we've done. Right. Actually, probably way more. I think, no, we, I think we played six hours just last Saturday. Yeah. 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 So like, like over ten did. hours. Yeah, more than ten hours. We're a little bit more than a third of the way through the game. Yeah. Uh, so it's great. Uh, so this is a board game obviously set in the Star Wars universe. Uh, where one person is playing the Imperial side, and for that, that's our friend uh, Dave, uh, who's doing a fantastic job. He sort of has to run the game, because yeah, we don't, uh, the Rebels don't know exactly what's going on for each mission, so the Imperial person has to set up all the missions, and he's the one that knows uh, all of the different outcomes that could happen, all of our objectives, right. uh, what's going to happen when we open this door. <laughs> What nasty um, thing's gonna happen when you open the door? Yeah. <laughs> so it, it reminds me of Dungeons and Dragons or Pathfinder where yeah. so Dave, the Imperial guy, is, you know, playing kind of the dungeon master. So yeah. he knows what's gonna go on. And I have heard it actually relates a lot more to a, a board game called Descent, which I've never oh, played. Never played. Yeah. Um, but I want to now. <laughs> yeah. Are the same which, same guys who made it? I don't know if it's the same guys that made it. It's basically uh but it's basically Imperial Assault, but like fantasy, mm-hmm. I guess, or I guess right. it's more swords and sorcery type thing. Right? Yeah, so closer to D anD D, but this is D anD D without all of the role playing, um, right. just with with all the action parts, mm-hmm. uh, <laughs> which is a lot of fun. So yeah, Dave's Dave's running our uh, campaign, uh, playing the Imperial side, and then uh, the three of us and usually our friend Jacob have been playing uh, the Rebel side, uh, which is a ton of fun. So I get to run around as a smuggler shooting people <laughs> and run around with a lightsaber. Yeah. I get to be a Wookiee. <laughs> <laughs> Complete with a soundboard. Yes. <laughs> so Russ likes to make Wookiee noises whenever he's attacking. <laughs> I can make blaster pew-pew noises. <laughs> and I have my lightsaber noises also. Yeah, so we're having a blast with it. Uh, I, I, t- I love asymmetrical games like this where it's not, you know, four people playing with the same objectives. Yeah. We have one person trying to do one thing yep. and then four of us teaming up against him. Mm-hmm. Uh, which is a lot of fun, and it's cool because there's different scenarios uh, for winning and losing each mission. So you might win a mission, but you might not win it 100%, or right. you might, you know, survive a mission instead of like actually winning mm-hmm. it, but you still get like good rewards <laughs> because you survived. We barely survived. Than, last time. We've, we've barely survived a couple times, uh, and it's a blast. We've had games come down to just like. The last dice, dice roll will be yep. the, a win versus a loss, <laughs> which is a ton of fun. You know, w- when you're playing, a, 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 you know, a mission for two hours and it all comes down to one <laughs> roll of dice, 
which you know if it's if if it's this role you you win if it's this you know this role you completely lose and you've wasted right. two hours of your life <laughs> not getting a lightsaber for Tim's Jedi right. <laughs> Uh, it's a lot of fun. We're all sort of learning while playing, yeah. which is also a blast. So we're we're much better at the game <laughs> than when we started. <laughs> yeah. We have a much better grasp of the rules, so games are starting to go faster now that we know what we're doing. And we're all making mistakes along the way, but you know, yeah. since we're all friends and like we're we're having, I think more fun, you know, playing the game than trying to be super competitive. Right? And actually yeah, win. yeah, yeah. <laughs> so even you know when one of us makes a mistake, it's uh, we've you know had a lot of mercy towards. Yep. People, it's, it's been a lot of fun. Uh, the campaign's nine or ten missions. We've done, I think, four so yep. far. And like I said, we've been playing for ten hours. Uh, so, it's yeah. Def- it's, it's definitely, um, I mean, it takes a while to get into it. It's definitely, uh, but it, I think the payoffs are, are really are really good for, for sticking with it. Oh, and, yeah. Um, but it's not like a, uh, you know, it's like action every every single step, you know. there's a, There's a lot to... To learn and and so it's not maybe not for the uh, for the people who need immediate rewards, um, but the rewards are, are you know like I said it's in the journey and, and in the playing right yeah. sure yeah my favorite part is probably I just like the strategizing for all the different stuff right. Oh, right. Like, so we've got this round <laughs> and all right if we send this one guy up to try to hit this button <laughs> and we have another person protecting it or right. I think our our last mission ended with us all just huddled in a corner <laughs> trying to survive as long as we could <laughs> while there's like an ATST like pounding at the door behind us. yes so this game comes with yeah some really cool <laughs> miniature model things so there is an ATST which is what Four inches, five inches high, something like that. Yeah. So, so for the for the you know the people who are, who are visual and need maybe yeah. tactile, need something to hold or to look at. There's that also. Yeah. So that's, yeah. That's a good <laughs> and also, like each campaign has like its own little board made up of right. these different interlocking pieces. So we you know we spend some time trying to figure out what our map is going to look like, right. and we move our little figures around, <laughs> and yeah, you attack stuff and move around, and we have you know special powers. Each right. of our characters. Yeah, we have strengths and weaknesses and for each character, yeah. which is... Yeah, and you get money after every, you know, mission. You get experience after every right. mission. We, we're getting rewards. Uh, and you have, like, different items that you can buy and add to your character. So I'm like, oh, I got a really cool gun upgrade after yeah. one of the things. And now I, I roll, a, you know, a yellow dice and a blue dice <laughs> instead of two green dice. Yeah. So it's a huge upgrade. Yeah. Yes, we're geeks. <laughs> and, and we definitely went full geek mode with our with our sound effects because the Star Wars app, the new Star Wars app has a oh, lot yeah. of great sound effects that you can use. And so yeah. we we were geeking out pretty hard last night we played. Yeah, there's also two expansions for this game that we haven't even touched on that would have, you know, other 20-hour-long yep. games. Yeah. Yeah, these expansions. And I don't know if you guys... Saw they put out uh, Fantasy Flight put out another Star Wars game recently called oh, Star no. Wars Rebellion, Ooh. which is a different uh, type of game than this. Okay. This is either a one on one or two on two, and it sounds okay. like you're one person running Rebel side of you know the actual rebellion, one person running the Imperial side, mm-hmm. and Imperials are sort of having to chase around rebels, try to find the rebel base and destroy <laughs> it, while the rebels are going on these little tiny missions, and they have less resources, but they have mm-hmm. the heroes that do cool stuff. Okay. So, 
after we finish this, I might want to check that. I think that'll that'll actually be like a, a two hour game okay. that ends yeah. when it's yeah. over. So it's not like a mission game where you have to keep going. It's just yeah. you play and then yeah. And I don't know, I don't know how long it takes, but it doesn't seem like it would be ongoing like this. Okay. So yeah, I mean, this game is is pretty extensive in, in, as yeah. far as its details and 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 learning the game takes a lot of time and because there's how many different manuals you got to read through and um, there's lots of lots of pieces and lots of Lots of um, lots of little things that, that kind of make the game exciting, but like I said, it is it's I mean it's kind of expensive too, right? It's not a cheap board game like like other ones. It's yeah, it's not ten dollars. No, no. Because <laughs> what's the list price on it? Uh, the list price was a hundred dollars. Yeah. I got mine off of Amazon for like sixty bucks. Yes. Yeah, so. uh, but for at least thirty hours of fun, that's, right? I mean, for the oh, stuff yeah, you it's get, totally worth it. Yeah, totally like, worth it. But it comes in this big, huge box, and it's like, whoa! It's kind of like overwhelming at first because all the stuff you got to like learn. Yeah, it was incredibly overwhelming at first. We spent a full hour just reading the right. like, the basic manual, right? Not even getting into the advanced rules, right? Uh, but like like I said, I think the rewards and the, and for the enjoyment that we're getting from it is is worth you mm-hmm. know kind of investing that that time and and like yeah, I said there's I. What's the other? There's a Hoth expansion. What's the other expansion? Uh, sort of like a Boba Fett. Oh like right, yeah. Hunter's thing. Okay, yeah. I totally forgot about that. Yeah. So, so I um, mean, it's we we got a lot more games to, to play. <laughs> yeah. So we have that. That's Imperial Assault. Uh, my first love of. All right. <laughs> awesome. We love it also. So. Do you also have a hate this week, or just a dislike? <laughs> I do have a dislike. I forgot I was going next. You're going next. <laughs> Remember, we go back yeah. and forth. Yeah, 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 yeah. <laughs> we can take uh, a break. We can... <laughs> no, Pause so my, my dislike uh, is Russ. <laughs> oh, sorry. <laughs> yeah, actually, uh, no, it's, it's the fact that uh, Russ was right about something. Oh, and <laughs> What was I right about? And that is the fact that Crimson Peak is a really bad movie. Oh. <laughs> it's it's really bad, right? <laughs> um, which is so disappointing. So I don't want to talk too much about it because we already talked about it. Um, and actually, I've my dislike is really just disappointing movies that I've run into yep. the last yep. uh, week or so. <laughs> yeah, Crimson Peak is really bad. I didn't want to believe it because I love Guillermo del Toro and it looks so good. I mean, there's really is it is a gorgeous movie. Oh yeah. yeah. The movie looks fantastic. And I guess it's supposed to be gothic horror instead of, or gothic romance instead of really a horror movie, but there's no romance to speak of. So I think yeah. even the little amount of horror <laughs> works for me so better it's just than the gothic. romance. Yeah, it, it's, just it, gothic. it's got the gothic down. Yeah. <laughs> it does look very gothic. And I don't they have this weird it seems like there's some weird obsession with making uh, Mia Wasikowska, or however you pronounce her name, look tiny. They keep putting her in giant chairs oh, yeah. and in, in dresses that have these gigantic, like, World of Warcraft shoulders. <laughs> so, like, so I don't really know what the point of that. Like, even like there's like even like a wheelchair at one point, which is just ginormous. <laughs> I think just to make her frail and you know, yeah. look like. I vulnerable. Guess. I don't know. Uh, but yeah, there's there's no romance in this gothic <laughs> romance movie, and the characters are boring, and the everyone's motivation is really dumb. Yep. <laughs> and none of it's believable. <laughs> and even the like the designs of the ghosts is not interesting. 
Um, it's it's really bad. <laughs> I was I was really sad that Russ was right. What they need to do is they need to make a remake, and instead of gothic, just shorten that word to make it goth, and and put everyone in black and like white makeup and they're all mopey. Maybe that'll make it make more sense. <laughs> if that's it, it's like oh, it's a yeah. goth movie. Okay, I get it now. <laughs> yeah, but it's rough, and the dialogue's really bad. Um, I was talking to Dominic about this because uh, I saw it right before we saw Ten Cloverfield. Uh-huh. So as we were watching, waiting for the movie to start, you know, we're chatting and whatnot. Yeah. But I was trying to. It made me want because Guillermo del Toro wrote this movie. And I think he also wrote Pan's Labyrinth. Yes. And it made me wonder if I would in, have enjoyed this movie more if it was in Spanish and subtitled. Like, <laughs> would have would I have yeah. actually appreciated it a little <laughs> right. bit better if I had to <laughs> read it and I didn't know exactly what they're you know and you, so I don't know. It's weird. It also made me afraid for what the dialogue in Pan's Labyrinth would have mm-hmm. been if it was all in English, because this is a badly written movie. Yeah. Mm. Like, it's it's rough. Which is, yeah, which is sad, because, yeah, I love Guillermo del Toro also. Well, have you ever, ever seen Devil's Backbone? I have not. Oh, that's excellent, too, so. But, um, <clears throat> and also, the, the fact that the cast was, was pretty promising. I mean, Tom Hiddleston yeah. and... Um, I don't even think I knew Jessica Chastain was in this movie Jessica until Chastain, right. I was in the middle of watching it and she popped up. Yeah. And I love Jim Beaver, man. <laughs> So you would right. think that right. all and those pieces together would make a good movie, but not made for so a really bad movie. <laughs> it made for I, I would enjoy this movie more on mute and just looking at right. it. Because, I mean, it's cool. You have like all of this like red seeping up from everywhere. Um, you know, these snowy shots with yeah, it's know, got great, red filling in. Great like, production design. Yeah. <laughs> but man, everything else about this movie is just a complete... Yeah, on mute. Concerned. You know, the story would be better on mute, wouldn't yeah. it? Yeah. <laughs> Maybe I'll just watch it on mute with subtitles and you see can, if I like it more. I wouldn't even put the subtitles, because you can totally tell what's going on. Yeah. <laughs> it's rough. I could probably make up a better movie out yeah. of it. Uh, so, yeah, that was that was a big dis- disappointment. And then I also got around to seeing uh, The Good Dinosaur, because it was at Redbox. Okay. Uh, which was the newest Pixar movie. And it's not a bad movie, um, it's just a bit disappointing mm. because you have that expectation from Pixar that right. it's going to be something great. Yeah. And, and it was like the, it was like the this, the first time that Pixar released two movies in the same year. Is that is that right? Yeah, because I think they actually ended up pushing back Inside Out a year, or maybe they pushed back The Good okay. Dinosaur. Because I don't I don't think there was a movie that they put out in 2014. Mm. Okay. Because because of a delay. Uh, so whew, yeah, it, it's. But so it, it feels more like a movie trying to be a Pixar movie than an actual <laughs> Pixar movie. Like it, it has moments that it feels like should like it seems like oh someone saw a Pixar movie and said oh there should be a, mo- a moment towards the beginning of this movie where this sort of thing happens. Mm-hmm. But the motivate like the reason that that thing happens comes off being really lame. Mm. Like you know the the like it's like someone someone watched up. And was like, oh man, I loved the beginning of Up. I want to do that, but so this is like the fanfic version. Oh, so <laughs> like the uh, so the, the Pixar that big movie. emotional like yeah, it's like the, we need something emotional, and it's not even not even wordless. Okay, like you know, there's you know dialogue dialogue through the whole movie. Okay, just the, sort of the the beats that Up tries to hit that sort of sets off mm-hmm. this thing mm-hmm. uh, doesn't work nearly as well for me in this movie than it does in other Pixar or even you know old older Disney movies. Mm-hmm. But uh, it is also a really great looking movie. It's probably the best looking Pixar movie. Okay. Like there are there are shots that if you had told me this was just a live action shot of a stream, mm. like I would believe you that this oh, okay. was real water in a real stream you know, and I real landscapes. When I when I saw the previews, I think that's what 
actually turned me off because the backgrounds and stuff looked so realist, realistic, and then the, the dinosaur looks like a Gumby, it, which version is weird. Of, yeah, so it sort of comes off. So. It comes off looking like you're watching a CGI version of something like Who Framed Roger Rabbit, where they take all of this live action stuff and just popped in the CG dinosaur because these yeah. dinosaurs aren't trying to look re- like no, they're yeah. meant to look stylized. Uh, so it's not. It's not, it's not a failing on their part. No. That like their design, they're they're yeah. shooting for Jurassic Park, right. and they end up hitting Gumby. Yeah, <laughs> but they, no, they were aiming for these stylized dinosaurs. So, right. so it puts this weird, like almost reverse Uncanny Valley feel <laughs> on yeah. the movie. Does it like skew to a younger audience? Is that maybe why the the it didn't hit the dinosaurs? Hit it, it could. Did it might in be you know more enjoyable, which. Which is, you know, a bummer because I think adults tend to love most Pixar movies. Right, I mean, yeah. that's, that's what so. I think Pixar, the best thing that Pixar has going for it, because it's got these great animated movies that kids can enjoy, but adults can enjoy because there's so many different layers to, to what's going on, to the emotional mm-hmm. components and, and, and the, even the, the subtext that's going yeah. on that the adults can clue into and go, oh my gosh, that's really good. The kids will just... Just love it because it's a good, really good stories. Yeah, and there are a couple of really great moments, and it does a couple of really cool things. Like I like the idea of this. Like this is a, basically a boy and his dog story, mm-hmm. where the boy is a dinosaur and the dog is a human. Oh. <laughs> like that's okay. that's really cool, and it, it plays yeah. with some of your expectations about how different dinosaurs might act and stuff like that. And so there there are some really cool parts, and I think I would have liked this more if it didn't have that Pixar expectation. Yeah, right. Sort of like Brave. Like, Brave I thought was a fine movie, but compared to the rest of right. the Pixar movies, it's a bit of a disappointment, but... Yep, but Brave had those cool Scottish accents going for it. So that, was, <laughs> that was kind of cool. Way too many gingers, though. <laughs> it's a land full of gingers. <laughs> we never go to Scotland. <laughs> Yeah, so I was a, I was a bit bummed about that, but it's not it's not a terrible movie. It's not mm-hmm. Crimson Peak where like I I would not recommend anyone watch this movie ever. It's sort of a, okay, you need to temper your expectations because this isn't yep. Pixar's yeah. best. At so all. It, was, it was worth a red box rental. It was worth the two dollars and twelve cents that I spent on it. <laughs> Crimson Peak was not worth the two dollars and twelve cents I spent on that. And then I I, I mean I've heard that. That the good dinosaur was was Pixar's first kind of like really big disappointment at the box office too, and maybe that's why because it just didn't yeah. have all the elements that most people expect. Yeah, at least movie. at least Cars, which a lot of you know critics and adults don't like as much mm-hmm. as the kids do, is you know shiny and fun and fast and makes tons of money. Yeah, uh, because kids love it, and I think yeah. that's sort of the other one where Pixar it's clearly not meant for adults or it doesn't feel like it lands as well for adults. I want to see because I've seen most Pixar movies. The only one I haven't seen, and I don't even plan on seeing, is Cars Two because I just that's the only one I haven't seen either. Hers really, really bad. Yeah, haven't seen it either. <laughs> yeah, seen them all. All the rest of them. Yeah. All right. All right. Well, 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 my dislike, dislike this week <clears throat> is um, is the death of of George Martin. Oh the, yeah. The the fabled um, Beatles producer. Not now. Not as some um, fanboys have misread it and thought that George R. R. Martin died. Yeah. A <laughs> whole different thing. The internet was in an uproar because of that because someone misread it and um, they were you know their their uh, series wasn't going to get finished. Don't worry, Game of Thrones will get finished. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Well, so this is a uh, George Martin. Um, he was. I mean, he was ninety years old, but yeah, uh, he was. Um, he was an incredible um, record producer, uh, and and if you love the Beatles, it's a, it's a huge, it's a huge loss, and and not even just 
liking the Beatles music, but if you're like I have, I've I've gone and and kind of like really in the last six or seven years got really delve deep into the, into the Beatles music and, and and I do this thing every February where I listen to the whole <laughs> Beatles catalog from start to finish uh, throughout the month like I get mm-hmm. through each I listen to an album day get through it twice twice uh twice during that month and um and just just the just the way that George Martin just kept pushing the the art of recording mm-hmm. um so so fast and so far that if you look at the Beatles from when they started to just I mean, if you look from the first album in 1963 to just four years later with Sgt. Pepper's Lonely Hearts Club Band, I mean, that was, I mean, this like light years mm-hmm. difference between those two, those two albums. And uh, and just the, the, the growth that, that continued and just the, like I said, the art of, of, of engineering, recording engineering. Oh, yeah. He just, I mean, he was just a, as a, an innovator, I would call that, use that term, use it as an mm-hmm. innovator. And, and... So, and you've heard it before, but so many bands owe their sound and, and, and where they're at to the Beatles. Mm-hmm. But I think so many um, albums owe their sound and, and that to George Martin. Oh, yeah. Uh, just, because, <clears throat> just because of the things he was trying and tinkering with. He was a mm-hmm. good tinkerer. And so he would just, just push it, you know, because... Because back when they first started, there was only like the only like two tracks, the recording thing. So they would have to like you know all get in the mm-hmm. in the studio and 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 re- record in these two tracks, and they try to mix it together. And then they went to four tracks. But then, what on some of the albums they would they would do the okay re- record the four tracks, and then they would take that that four track recording, and then they would layer that on top, and so that would be one track. And they when they would add three more tracks mm-hmm. to that, and then they would take those two things, and they would just keep keep. Adding. Yeah, I keep yeah. adding to it um, because they only had four tracks, and then of course they went to six track and then and then eight track, and, and so just because they kept pushing, they like we want to do more, we want to do more, mm-hmm. and and so they had to like make up these these ways to <laughs> ways to do record what he wanted to record, and and just the way that they would place mics and and mm-hmm. use different effects that when they these weren't even around, they just had to like make these these sounds up themselves, and and so. Um, he's a big loss, and uh, and uh, big loss to the to the music. And we've lost lost a lot of a lot, a lot of people, a lot of music, um, yeah. a lot of music <laughs> in the last even just like six months. Mm-hmm. It seems like, or even less than that. I mean, David Bowie got Glenn Frey, and, and so you don't like that people get old and die. <laughs> well, yeah. <laughs> yeah, it's just that one of these things where you know it it, it does kind of trouble you that you yeah. know that we all are going to die but um and some of these like David Bowie and Glenn, Glenn Fry they weren't they weren't like really no, old yeah. George Ward was 90 okay you see that right. but but it is a huge loss because the world lost a true a true innovator mm-hmm. in, in George Martin so I heard a a story on the on the classic rock station about uh, George R Martin or George Martin sorry <laughs> <laughs> not Game of Thrones Beatles <laughs> said when uh, when they were recording Strawberry Fields Forever I guess John had two different takes on it that that he liked both of them in two different tempos and two different keys and he gave them both to George Martin and said just put them together make it work and he did you know yeah, so, <laughs> yeah. So, yeah that was one of the things where where he would do that and um and the only album he didn't really produce was uh, was Let It Be. Mm-hmm. Um, and, and if you've known any Beatles history, there was a lot of discord happening yeah. between the recording of that and they were trying to make a documentary of that. And and at that point, the Beatles were all 
we're all fighting amongst each other. Right, so. And I think they just finally <clears throat> shipped it to Phil Spector, and and he's the one that you know put that. Mm-hmm. Um, and then he, he, they call it the Phil Spector Wall of Sound. He added that to that to that Beatles record. Right. And a lot of people didn't really like it, and so um, 2003, um, right. George Martin and I think George Martin's son and Paul McCartney and and I think Ringo. They kind of went back in the recording studio and they made this album called Let It Be Naked, Naked yep. dot, 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 Naked. <laughs> and they kind of took the original and they kind of stripped out that wall of mm-hmm. sound and there was a couple other little goofy recording um, stuff that the Beatles did yeah. for that album. And they kind of took that away. They added, I think, one more song and they kind of redid this album um, kind of the way they they had it in their mind mm-hmm. to, to do if they, if they had more time and more money. And uh, all the Beatles weren't fighting, so so that's you know that's yeah. that's the genius <laughs> of that. And he also George Martin and his son also worked on the um, the Cirque du Soleil um, Love oh, yeah. that 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 show that they had that it was called Love it was based on on the Beatles um, catalog where mm-hmm. they kind of just mished, mashed different Beatles songs together and they they took you know maybe a drum part from this one song and the, and yeah. kind of like kind of mashed and made them all kind of new and so so George Martin was was uh, directly involved in that and so even you know even after the Beatles recording has come to an end um, they were still you know still still stuff to yep. do with that so so uh, a true loss George Martin the producer of the Beatles and and other things but he's more famously known for yeah for producing the Beatles catalog totally agree with that one yeah all right so my dislike this this uh, week is um, since there's a new Zack Snyder movie coming out, uh, Batman vs. Superman. <laughs> Batman Dawn, v Dawn Superman. of Justice. Oh, sorry. Batman v Superman, Dawn Colin of Justice. Dawn of Justice. <laughs> Subhead. <laughs> <laughs> I, um, CinemaSins, which is one of my favorite little YouTube channels, um, released a, a CinemaSins for one of his older movies, Watchmen. So <laughs> uh, I just, I, I love the CinemaSins thing. I don't love... The movie Watchmen. Okay, and and just to show you, most of the Cinema Sins YouTube videos say like everything wrong with Avengers in you know eight minutes right. or less. This one is everything wrong with Watchmen in seventeen minutes or less. <laughs> <laughs> so that just shows you how many things are just ridiculous in that movie. So, um, Zack Snyder, I like I like I, was three hundred his first movie. One of his, his first big movie. Yeah, his first big movie, at least. I love that <laughs> adaptation from a you know graphic Gra- novel. Yeah. Uh, I thought that was totally appropriate and everything. But I read Watchmen before I saw the Watchmen movie, and I just thought the movie didn't get the novel at all. Mm. Um, you know, it it wasn't really a, about being big and glitzy and superhero-y. It was more about how being a superhero sucks, and <laughs> <Right>. <laughs> and I don't think the movie caught that. So. Uh, and there's so many other things. Dr. Manhattan's blue junk showing up all the time. <laughs> you know, I mean, you can get away with that in a, in a comic book, but when it's up there on the IMAX screen, <laughs> ah, I don't want to see that anymore. <laughs> and I wouldn't even let that go if the rest of the movie was, you know, anywhere near coherent. But uh, it just it had no chemistry. I didn't care about any of the characters. Um, and, you know, yeah, it's, it's one of those... Kind of pretty to look at, but not a great uh, adaptation at all. So, I'd, I'd recommend go go watch the Cinemasins. Uh, <laughs> Everything wrong with 
Watchmen, you'll enjoy it. So, <laughs> well, and and I mean, I think we've all read the Watchmen graphic novel. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, but it's a pretty dense graphic oh, novel yeah, yeah. too. I mean, and, and, and I mean, I don't know why they even tried to make it into a I don't know two and a half hour. It movie. should have been a miniseries, right? Miniseries yeah. or something Absolutely, because it's so. so it's so dense and there's so much you know just background material that you need to and I think it had been tried tried to be have been made for years and had different directors associated with it which we then fell by the wayside Terry Gilliam was going to do it at one time which I would have loved to have seen (laughs) because he would have done his own take on it which would have been interesting to say the least but uh Anyway, yeah, I will say I actually really enjoyed the Watchmen movie. All right. I'll, I'll defend that one. Right. Oh wow! Right. <laughs> um, and I, I mean, it's not, obviously not as great as the the graphic novel, which yeah. is just fantastic. Um, because you you do you lose all of the little the stories after each of the chapters. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. Because you can't you just can't do that in a movie. Yeah, and I get uh, And I think I mean that's for me the biggest problem is <laughs> it's. Pretty much, and I mean, they always said it was you know an unfilmable. It would be an unfilmable movie, uh, which it is sort of true. And the movie's not, you know, amazing, especially yeah. compared to some of the stuff we've gotten. But I mean, I remember seeing that on opening night uh, with a bunch of friends and coming out, you know, pretty pretty pleased. Mm-hmm. Like I felt like it was at least the best version of a movie of that we ever could have gotten. <laughs> Um, and that could be true, but uh, yeah, like I can't, I can't imagine someone. That's doing, a sad statement in itself, though. It's like, yeah. yeah, this is the best we could have gotten. It's like, well, yeah. then maybe it's we like if you have to, if you're going to make a watch movie, I think they succeeded as well as they could have. Yeah, um, but I, I, I would agree that a miniseries would have been a lot oh, yeah. better. But at the time, they're and I think they've even talked since about doing a miniseries. Oh yeah. And but at the time you weren't because this was before the big superhero boom, right? right. That we have now, right? Like you yeah. know, super mo- superhero movies weren't you know their their own genre, right? Right. You weren't getting four, <laughs> you weren't getting four two hundred fifty million dollars super mo- superhero movies a year, so you couldn't. There would have been no money in you know an HBO series yep. for Watchmen. <laughs> I thought the uh, I thought some of the casting was good in the movie, like. Um, Jackie Earl Haley as um, as uh, Rorschach. Rorschach. Rorschach, he's so good. Yeah, I mean that's <laughs> a good casting. Really and, good. and the Jeffrey... Rorschach mask looks so cool. Yeah, yeah, yeah. that was cool. <laughs> oh, and I think like Jeffrey Dean Morgan as the comedian yeah. was pretty good casting. But um, the the owl guy and Ma- mainly in Ackerman, yeah. Ackerman or whoever Harry Potter, whatever her yeah. name was. She was, yeah. she's, I don't know. Those, those uh, she was pretty bad. In she, she's not great in that movie. I I love her in Trophy Wife though. I love that show. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know. I haven't seen that many movies of her, but I just yeah. I think that was maybe one of her bigger first big movies, and I just I was like, oh, it's not not good acting. <laughs> yeah, and, I, and the chemistry between them was like that's not happening at all. Yeah, so. there was no chemistry between them, so that's yeah. definitely true. <laughs> I mean, for me, it was a pretty forgettable, forgettable movie yeah. that like tried to almost like tried to like okay, I want to don't want to rewatch that or even think about it anymore. <laughs> um, so I, I and I don't know if I really hated. It. I just it was one of like I didn't really like care if I ever saw it or mm-hmm. and even after seeing it it's like I don't really care about that movie anymore so yep. you're the only defender I will take that mantle because <laughs> someone has to speak up for sure. the poor director that's only getting 250 <laughs> million dollar movies right? at this point <laughs> poor Zack Snyder so Zack Snyder he's the um, he's the guy that's doing Batman v yeah. Superman right and, yeah. then, and I, Justice League okay yep. I get him I guess get Zack Snyder and Brian Singer mixed up. Brian Singer's the X Men guy. Yeah. And what else has he done besides X Men? I forget. Did, Did like he do Jack and the Beanstalk. Okay. 
Who did? And, uh, uh, who he did, did. He did Superman Returns, which is oh, probably so why there's some confusion. Because they both because Zack Snyder did Man of Steel, right? And okay. Brian Singer did Superman Returns. <laughs> Right. Uh, which I will say, I will also say, I think Watchmen's a better movie than Man of Steel. <laughs> <laughs> so, and once again, I I liked two thirds of Man of Steel. <clears throat> I just thought that the yeah, from like the waist up. Well, no, I thought, <laughs> I thought that this, the ending was was so bad. I was yeah. like, it got so ridiculous at the end. I was like, oh my gosh, just make this movie over already. Yeah, yeah. It, was, it was just like. I don't know. Yeah, and I'm, I'm definitely worried about Batman v Superman because the trailers seem like they've given away the entire movie. Right. Which is a big disappointment. Except for the last trailer that came out should have been the only trailer that ever came out. That was a great trailer. That's the only one I actually really liked. Yeah. But all the rest of them were rough. Yeah. But that being said, I have my tickets already. <laughs> oh, you did? That's two weeks from now or something. Yeah. Like that, right? yeah. Oh, that's right, because I'm going yeah. to you, right? <laughs> <laughs> I forgot that I... We're going to go see that at the yeah. Alamo Draft House down in Virginia oh, cool. yeah. on the Thursday. I, yeah. I will also say, didn't really, I could have talked, you brought this as a like, but I could have spent the whole time talking about how much I love Spider-Man's eyes in the Civil oh, War trailer. <laughs> which I still haven't seen that trailer yet. Yeah. I was I hoping that they would uh, show it before, um, before 10 Cloverfield mm-hmm. Lane. Yeah, they showed the old one. I I guess I came in late for that. All oh, right, yeah. Did they show it before then? No, they showed the old. The okay, old yeah. So I came in. I came in late. I came in right during the trailers, um, so I missed um, that one. So, so I think um, that's it for for this time. We've all got yes. our likes and our likes and our loves. And, <laughs> and, uh, and I don't even know we could do a love. <laughs> We're always switching it up. And yeah, know. I edit this thing. I can do whatever I want. <laughs> I can remove your like. Maybe next time someone's, someone's going to Yeah, you know hate. what? I like Watchmen. I'm removing, I'm removing that dislike. <laughs> yeah, so uh, so thanks for listening to the Pumping Irony podcast. Um, like I said, please interact with us. Let us know um, some of the things you like and dislike, uh, anything we talked about, or um, if you have any suggestions, anything you want to see in the future. Um, you can interact with us on our Facebook page. Just look for Pumping Irony podcast. You can go to our website. PumpingIronyPodcast.com. As always, you can can leave a review and ratings on iTunes for us, and that'd be great for us to help us out. Uh, we hope you'll enjoy this. We hope to make more, and uh, we are planning on recording another one. So enjoy this one, and uh, we'll see you next time. I'm Tim. I'm Russ, and I'm Andrew. I read the news today, oh boy. About a lucky man who made the grade And though the news was rather sad Well, I just had to laugh I saw the photograph